Welcome to Words That Move Me, the podcast where movers and shakers like you get the information and inspiration you need to navigate your creative career with clarity and confidence. I am your host, Dana Wilson, and I move people. I am all about the tools and techniques that empower tomorrow's leaders to make the work of their dreams and live a full life while doing it. So whether you're new to the game or transitioning to your next echelon of greatness, you're in the right place. Wow, wow, whoa, wow, 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 wow. Hey, I'm Dana. This is Words That Move Me. I'm wow. I'm so excited, so excited, so lucky, so honored to be talking to today's guest. You will be able to hear it in my voice, the fandom, <laughs> uh, but I wish that you could also see it in my face, a true ear-to-ear grin for almost an hour straight, and actual tears in my eyes, by the way, because today I am talking to the legendary Poppin Pete. And I want to get right to it. So here we go. Let's do wins. We start every episode here at Words That Move Me with wins. And today I am celebrating getting to speak to the graduating class at AMDA, the College of the Performing Arts here in Los Angeles. Um, I was on a panel with some of my faves, Mandy Moore, Brian Nicholson, Jaron Reese, and Cassidy Noblet. It was so cool to check in with them and to check in with this upcoming generation of talent. Um, big, big thanks to the organizers, Stephanie and Jess, uh, for organizing and for really filling my cup. Big win. Um, and hopefully lots of future wins for the class of 2022. I'm celebrating y'all. Uh, so that's me. That's my world. Now you know. Now you go. What is going well in your world? What are you celebrating? Nice. Congratulations. Keep winning. I am so proud of you. You're doing it. Now let's do it. <laughs> if you've ever gotten to talk to or spend time with one of your actual heroes, then you know exactly how I felt talking to Pop and Pete. This is how I feel every time I get to train with him or talk to him. Um, he is truly one of my favorite dancers, teachers, and straight talkers. Uh, he is one of the people that I go to when I'm looking for a solid perspective and a, a perspective specifically that's different than what mine probably is. <laughs> um, so I'm really, really excited to share this conversation with Pete because his experience as a dancer and as a professional is very, very different from mine and very, very different from yours, unless you happen to be dance history royalty like Pop and Pete is. Um, this conversation left me even more in awe of this man than I already was, which is super in awe. And um, I know you're going to love it. So without any further ado, let's do it. Enjoy this conversation with the one, the absolute, only Poppin' Pete. Poppin' Pete. 
Welcome to the podcast. Most definitely. I think this is my second time doing, I think I did one a few years ago with you. Well, I am thrilled and honored to have you here right now. I'm really excited because I love, well, I love your dancing, number one. This is a given. But I also love the way you use your voice and your platform. I think you speak clearly and pointedly, but I also think that you're a critical thinker. And I think that you consider many different positions before you kind of take a stand on something. Um, I also think you're really funny. So I'm going to have to really work to stay focused. Um, I have like 7,000 things I want to talk about. But first, let's, uh, I will yield the floor to you and let you introduce yourself. Simply tell us anything you want us to know about you. Uh, well, I'm six foot two, black man from America, born and raised. Uh, I was born in Fresno, California, moved to Long Beach in 1978, started my career of learning, or started learning how to dance, uh, the popping and boogaloo style from my brother, Boogaloo Sam. Then uh, went professionally as a professional dancer in the, in the industry in 1978. Uh, when I was 16 years old, uh, so you know I, I've been around. I've been around doing this for 44 years now, uh, and um, you know, and I'm still going. You know, I I love what I do. I love dancing. I love sharing. I love giving. You know, the whole thing is like it's 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 really therapeutic for me. You know? mm-hmm. I mean, time hard, and we all go. You know, go through what we go through, but at the same time, this dance and and, and entertainment pretty much saved my life. Hell yes. That's a wonderful introduction. Um, I will add to that only that, at least in my mind, you are dance history royalty. Your brother is Boogaloo Sam, who created the dance Popping, and you are an original member of the Electric Boogaloos. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about seeing the dance for the first time, could you tell me about when when your brother showed it to you and kind of talk about the early days? Yeah, when I first saw the, actually, what happened was my uh, my brother. We have different uh, uh, mothers, same father, uh, and we moved um, with my mom and our father to Long Beach. Sam stayed back in Fresno with his mom. Sam always was one of the best dancers out of the siblings. So what happened, he started doing these different dance styles. Now, I left. Now, again, I, I was a dancer, you know, of course. Uh, Sam called me one day and said, man, I'm doing this new dance style called Poppin' and Boogaloo. Hmm. And he's trying to explain, you know, I asked, well, what is popping? He said, well, you, you make your muscles jerk and jump. and that. So I'm on the phone listening, him describing and me trying to do it. So I'm like imagining. Muscles, imagining. And then I said, what is Boogaloo? He said, well, you 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 make your body roll and twist. And I'm and I'm, I'm literally going like this, roll. In my mind, this was a terrible, whatever the heck, it, what he was explaining <laughs> didn't sound as exciting. What I was doing as exciting that he was explaining it to me as. So a couple of weeks later, he he showed, he came to visit to Long Beach from Fresno. Picked him up from the Greyhound bus station, got home. Got to the bedroom, I said, let me see this dance. And what he proceeded to do in my imagination and what I seen in reality 
was a, a, a universal <laughs> one. And I was stunned. My, my, if my chin could detach, um, my jaw can detach from my face, it hit the ground. Now I've saw, you know, he grew up, I know he can dance, but I didn't, when he started popping, then I said, oh, let me see Boogaloo, what's Boogaloo? And he started doing all this, all kind of isolated movement and rope. I was, that, that had my, had my mouth going to, like, cause I, I was like, Wait, wait, how are you moving like this? How is that that smooth? Yeah. So it was a big shock. And I think that day, now, Boogaloo was very, when I saw it, even though it's very melodic and uh, and slow in movement in a sense, you know, but it was very difficult. Popping was difficult. Popping was the rigid heart. I said, no, I think I can learn that. That's the, the style I gravitated, gravitated towards. So I taught, mm. I asked him to teach me how to do the popping. And we Hence why it. you're popping Pete, not Boogaloo Pete. Yes, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Six hours in there showing me the technique. And I sucked at it. Sucked. This is shocking to me. <laughs> it was so foreign to me. I was saying, again, I can dance. I mean, I, was, I can do the robot. I was all that when I was young. Mm-hmm. Probably because I had to learn how to con- contract my muscles in four different places. Snap back my knees, contract my muscles in my chest, in my uh, neck and head, and in my arms, my tricep and my forearm. Thus doing this rhythmically to a beat of music. Thus thinking about uh, positions and angles, Mm. thinking about movement and groove. (laughs) That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. So it was very difficult for me, but I, you know, I practiced hard. Clearly, clearly, you practice as hard as you hit now. Um, I think one of the things I learned from you that I think goes unsaid or unrecognized to an untrained eye, because when people look at popping, what stands out is the hit. But what is so important to consider as you're dancing it is the relaxing in between, like going from 100 to zero Versus like, da, 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 hit, hit, hit. Like, you can tell the difference. And I think that's what makes the hit look so hard is that your muscles can, like a, like a sprinter, they can go so wicked fast and then back to relaxed, zero, like nothing ever happened. Yeah, that, and that was some, one of the most difficult things to learn, you know, is because you had to learn how to contract, you know, of course, contracting your muscles. We all had tensed up our arms and relaxed. But now you have to do this in 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 rhythm, in some kind of groove mm-hmm. or uh, cadence uh, to uh, expound on, on something. Hit is actually not the word. School me. When I learned how, that's why it's called, you know, popping. The pop. When somebody, hey, I'm going to teach you, I'm going to teach you the technique of the pop, which is now mm-hmm. I'm going to teach you track your muscles and all this. Hit was a word that was said in a, when we started saying it and it was brought around, it is a, it is a, um, a emphasis on if someone was was doing whatever style they're doing at a high level, and it's the, it's the, how you say it. If somebody says somebody was popping hard, just because he was popping or she was popping hard, it wasn't me saying, "Oh my gosh, he's hitting because of the power or the pop of of that technique." It was I'm saying that because he or she is on a, a level like, damn, that hits. Like it's, it is doing something very well. You can do like even when we've seen people waving, we 
Oh, he's hitting them waves. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what people thought, because the power, because when you when you said in the reference of somebody popping, now when I'm looking at somebody popping, in a totality of them, that's the that's the technique there, sound that the the movement, the groovement, the uh, uh, you know creation, the uh, aesthetic movement, all this, all these fundamentals that goes into this dance. Then I would look at it and go, shake your head like, damn, he's hitting. Mm. So we didn't have, that's why it's never, that's why there's no hitting battles. There's no hitting, uh, 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 you know, like I'm like, hey, come to the, uh, uh, my class, hitting class. It is mm-hmm. popping. Popping is the dance, P-O-P-P-I-N-G. The pop is the technique. Thus, the person's doing it is described as a popper. I call it three Ps. Thank you so much for that clarity. I so appreciate that. So if I'm to make sense of this, the... The pop is the technique. This is the function of the muscle. And then hitting is the like, like the impact of what the person sees. It's like the emotional takeaway that's like, like you just like, like you got hit with something. Yeah. And and it's in the totality of it. It's just not, like I said, it's not just based on how much power, because there are some people who don't pop as hard as some, you know, with real hard, but they have enough. The pop technique is sound. But it's mm-hmm. rhythm and the movement and how they just groove with it and the funkiness. That's when you say, damn, he's hitting that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we do edit here on the podcast so we can just bleep. Says stuff. I think you're 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 very responsible with your language. I don't think I recall you swearing ever. I I, I do when it's needed, but uh For emphasis only. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, for real. So, but like I'm yeah, I'm very, you know, conscious about where I am and who I'm around, you know, that I, I don't curse in front of a lot of older people, like my age sometimes. I love that your age is older. We're going to talk about that in a second. Hold on tight. Um, okay. So you mentioned that you, you went pro, like you became a professional in 78, you were 16 years old. What is what does that mean? Like, what makes someone a professional at that age? Was that the first time you got paid to dance? Was that the first time it was televised? Like, what what does that mean? Yeah, uh, got paid for a gig. I mean, you know, being it can be thus on stage. You know, because you can be in a play, you can be in a mm-hmm. live show, you can be television, movie, commercial, anything in that's in the in the entertainment industry and when i say in the entertainment industry entertainment industry doesn't mean it's only hollywood it doesn't mean it's a movie commercial tv anything when i go overseas to teach class and to do what i do that's an entertainment you know uh uh, uh, situation it's um so when i got that first job which was a which was a stage um show in lake tahoe and we was getting a monthly check and we were, you know, we got had to get in a, a union or my first television show. I had to join mm-hmm. AFTRA, which was only $329 at that time. And Ooh, um, times have changed. Big change. And then when, so then when I got into SAG, SAG was only at uh, five something when I got into SAG. So I did break them. So, and it was separate. It wasn't together at that time. So... Right. before I, I got lucky. I was an AFTRA member at the time of the merger. So I kind of got uh, sort of slid in there without the hefty SAG dues. 
Same. And then I didn't pay my dues, so I had to re-up. Same. Oh, man. When you're not, when you, you know, in those days in the industry, if you're not working all the time, you who's going to keep up with dues? I don't have money. I'm, I'm living in, I'm living with, with parents and and we're getting after we it's after we do a uh, do a gig do a television show we go get a un, go go and get unemployment for that gig because now that gig is over so we were signing for unemployment for a television show and we would get like forty four dollars a week but it's like well we got to get something out of this because you know we it wasn't like and, and you got to understand in those days we were specialty acts. Mm-hmm. No dancer contract. You know, it wasn't like a lot of television shows like on that that was hiring street dancers. It wasn't, you know, hip hop had not jumped in. So there the of uh, the award shows and only dancers that they were using was was jazz dance people like that wasn't mm-hmm. using mm-hmm. us in in behind um artists. That wasn't happening. So you would have someone who like Tony Basil who would who who would get a job that she's the the choreographer or or She's a co-star of, and she would bring us in. We do skits or dance skits with her or Shabadoo and all these people. But other than that, it wasn't, you know, I mean, we soul train. We got mm-hmm. paid for the second one, not the first one, which was, you know, union scale for the second one was 300 and at that time, $375 for the performance. Growing up in the industry, it's gotten better, but it's not great. Oh, man. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's... I wouldn't say it's improved with inflation. I'd say barely. Um, <clears throat> but on on this subject of professionalism and what makes a professional, you and I talked a little bit about um, this year's Super Bowl halftime show and the attention the production has gotten regarding volunteers as field cast. Um, I, I would love to hear your thoughts on performing for free is this something someone has to do or should do or should be able to do or is this something that no one should ever do if you're a professional you should not be dancing for free and no one should ever ask you to what's where do you stand i mean for one i don't i mean i under, me hearing about a little bit of this going on now what is the difference between last year and the years before uh you know if someone asking a, a person or persons Hey, we cannot pay you, but you know you have opportunity to be on stage and yada yada yada. Then you, if you say, okay, now if they put it out like that, but if I'm looking at a situation where a company, you have a million, billion dollar industry, okay, and you want people to walk out on on a platform or a performance, whether you physically doing a dance. Or you holding a flag and walking out, or you you're you're somehow a a person holding the next person's hand to make a ring around something you should get paid for it. Because if you're going to, uh, if they're paying that dancer and or whatever, you sh- there should be some compensation. If it's told beforehand, I guess it's up to the to the individual. No dancers on Soul Train. As far as dancers on this that show back in the day, never got a check, never got paid compensation for nothing they did. But they was told that. They was told. But you but mm. if you sit and someone says you're not gonna get paid. Now, that's why I say this is it, it, it with it's a it's a thin line, you know. 
because if we're we're asking well, are the dancers from this uh, 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 halftime show getting uh, uh, paid because they're dancing for the artist? Is the you know is, uh, Mary J's dancers or whoever is going to be there? Are they getting a the check? They getting a the check, but if anybody mm-hmm. that makes up a collective should get paid because I'm going if you're going to pay them and then disregard the other people that helps make the collective performance then I have a problem mm-hmm. then don't pay them because if you regard them as special or or this and that then you then you look at someone else situation or whatever and think less of you going eh Y'all not y'all don't you don't need to get paid. Why? Because you're not physically doing anything. What? But I'm here holding a sign, a flag. I'm making the picture along with that dancer. Mm-hmm. I'm imagining like the absence of those people would be felt. If you had a fully empty field, no no reflective mirrors, no pom poms, no rush of movement on the field. If it was totally vacant you would feel a void. Like the audience at home would feel that wah, wah, you know, type of type of thing. So I, I, I think I'm with you in that if you are contributing value, you should be receiving value. And I, I however, I also see the other side, which is I think this game is particular, is unique in that it's taking place in Los Angeles, which is a hub for professional dancers. There are, the stage itself is only so big, so you can't actually fit 500 people on the physical stage, which I'm sure they're building a physical stage, <laughs> I think. Um, but like, what are you gonna do with the rest of that field space that will be on camera at some point? So historically, you fill that field space with traditionally non-professional people, not trained people. But in this circumstance, you, you've got a city full of professionals, professional by definition being somebody who's received money to do this and trained specifically to do this. Um, but And you've got those people who are like, wait, what? I have the opportunity to put Super Bowl halftime show on my resume? Yes, but I have the opportunity to be near Dr. Dre to to watch Dr. Dre perform from like f- front row C or f- or to watch him tech to be witnessing to to like you know this iconic person I can definitely imagine the desire to want to be there and I think where we've landed now I'll link to the latest article um that I've seen that you know the latest professional coverage of the issue says that SAG-AFTRA has struck a deal with the producers of the show and no dancer, no professional dancer will be asked to perform for free. The union is strongly discouraging their members from participating as an, uh, as, as field cast or as a volunteer. Um, and also that this, this game, this show is legendary in that it is providing the highest number of dancer contracts ever, over 100, to my understanding. So a lot of progress, but still a lot of problem. If the person, if the group is a part of, if the person is a part of a group that is contributing value, then I I feel you, my friend, especially from the Super Bowl. 
there there ought to be some form of compensation. But that's such a slippery, slippery slope to say, how profitable does the game have to be in order to not accept volunteers? Or what is the fair wage for a person who has no training and is being asked to hit a mark and hold a hand or chew some gum and bounce? You know, like, how do you determine that? What is a fair exchange? But at the same time, I look at it like, what is what is a professional? Because you, you know, yeah, like, like I say, yeah, you get paid. But there's people out here that's been in the game for a minute that's gotten paid or did two or three paid jobs, been on television, doesn't make them, you know, no more qualified to me than someone giving people directions. Hey, this is what we're doing. Because when I got in the game, mm. I didn't know nothing counts. We we did everything on field. Hey, I need you, I need you to be, you know, we need 12 12, eight counts to get from this section to that section. Mm-hmm. Where's this in the music? So I hear the music say, oh, you mean from the horns to, to the drum kick in? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a, that's 12, that's 12, eight. Oh, oh, well, I just, I just know when I, when I hear the music, I know it's getting ready to come in. I'll stop at that point. Mm-hmm. But my thing is, just because someone is, is out there saying, oh, I'm a professional dancer. Okay, that's, okay, that's, it is that title. And this person is not a trained person. Doesn't mean that person, because at one point, that person who says that they are a professional and trained were not trained. They got their first gig. They trying to bust into the scene. They got paid for a gig. Hey, this is your first time doing this? Yeah, we're not paying you because you won't get the experience first. Then we'll pay you after. No, get if any anybody out on that field doing anything. Professionally, a number of it. It's like going, well, I'm a professional actor, but I'm doing a non uh, uh, union movie. You know, yeah, we know the pay scale is different, but it's still a movie. No one goes to the movie and look at a movie and go, wow, Breaking uh, One in 1984 was it a non union movie. Mm-hmm. Just looked at us as, oh, that's a movie with uh, some dancers and some actors up there. My thing is, who knows who's professional or not professional in that field? No one knows. Oh, they're dancing. You think? I think. I can tell. But I'm a professional, so I can tell. No, I can tell, too. You're right. <laughs> many, many people who, who hold dancers, who hold sad cars, that did many gigs that I look at them and say, what the? F- you- <laughs> you're not it. You're not. You're not it. <laughs> how did he? How did she? And he get them, oh, they, you know, because they got the hookup. Don't mean mm-hmm. nothing. My thing is, those people in a, who's watching that halftime show, the 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 hood that's going to be watching Dre, the world's going to be watching Snoop, the, the nation's going to be watching Mary and, and Eminem and Kendrick. These people going to be sitting at the, in their homes going either, what is this? Or why is this? Or this is so great. They're not gonna look at be looking at dancers going, hey, hey, Billy, Bobby, Leroy, come over here. Man, look at that dancer right there. I know they didn't pay that dancer. Oh, look at that, that, that field cast. Look at how, oh my God, he, the flag should be over here, but the flag is over here. He shouldn't get paid. Because mm. this is just gonna be a whole bunch, it's a it's just just spectacles happening, just things gonna be happening. That camera gonna be right on them damn uh figures. Open up to the field, watch some dancers. Close it back up to the damn artists. Open it back up to the to the to the to the stadium. 
And no one, even in that, even live inside that stadium, is going to determine who's who's professional or not, and who's getting who's getting paid or not. That's beside the point. What people should just look at and say, everyone is, if you if you're performing, performing in this show or halftime show, you're getting a check. Hmm. Degree of or the level of payment may vary. All good. Lowest some everybody's getting something in their pockets. Case closed. That's how it is, man. I think it's an, an interesting question. Like, what is the value and who gets to decide it? If it's the audiences that get to decide who has value and who doesn't, then we're all in big, big trouble because they don't know. <laughs> By definition, a layperson doesn't know anything about the thing. So if you let the audience decide, if you let the audience decide the value, then we're in big, 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 big trouble. Because um, they don't know. They can go, mm-hmm. everyone should get $20,000. Because they look at it like, this is that good. So how much do you think they should get paid? <laughs> at, least, at least a million? How about that? <laughs> See, it's not about because the audience don't know. Our audience actually will overpay performers in theory and thinking because mm-hmm. looking at what makes them feel good. If it's, if the show sucks, they gonna go. I don't think none of them will pay. They suck. Mm-hmm. But if you say in a in a uh, like, what value would you put on this performance to a, to the each individual dancer if you had to pay? Well, I think they at least should get five thousand, ten thousand. People will bring it high. They will not bring it low, because when you put in that in that preference or that in that reference, people almost you because they almost being challenged to think. Oh, I must say something better than because I don't want to look like a uh, low baller. Give them <laughs> give them that paper. You're illuminating something for me that's like, in my views, the primary difference between a dancer. And I'll say a professional dancer and a professional athlete. And I, I, I've heard the argument go a thousand different ways. Like, are dancers athletes? The biggest difference to me is that a professional athlete is measured and merited according to a point system that is strict, stark, and clear. You got a number of points per game. You kept someone else from getting a number of points per game. Now, listen. I am not a sports person. (laughs) Admittedly, I cannot tell you much else (laughs) about athletes or sports, but I know that their value is quantifiable. It's measurable. There is a team that will win. There is a team that will lose. Their fans can then brag. People can bet. There is a clear winner and loser and is simply not the case with dance most of the time. It's subjective. Even if you're looking at a battle scenario where there is a winner and a loser, It's up to a panel of judges that decide. And that's just those five people's opinion on that day. It's not to say that that dancer is actually better than the other dancer. It's just to say, like, on this day, these five people thought that that person was better. So there's no there's no system for measuring our value. And therefore, it's hard to say, like, oh, yeah, you should get paid more or you should get paid less. I mean, no, actually, it is. So you, you, if you're speaking in terms of a battle, that's different because now it's it's pitting my skill against your skill. Now, whatever mm-hmm. the judges decide or the audience decide. But if you're talking about 
and a that's why I say I am a I am a a dance athlete. If I, I I have I get knee uh, problems. I know a couple of people dancing had to get knee surgery, just like a a, a basketball player, a football player. Um, you know, so um, the injuries of certain things that we do in dance can be, you know, uh, looked at as the same as somebody playing basketball, football, or, 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 or tennis or any of that. Now, the value is just like that. Now, in, in, in sports, you have, you know, you have the upper tier, you know, you get to the NBA, but you still have, you, you have the, uh, uh, the G League, which those players, if you don't make it to the professional sense of getting a contract and getting, could get multi-millions or several hundred thousands, you're still good enough, but you're not good enough. So they put you in the G League until they call you up, which is, you know, so they call you. If you're in there, you play, you got a schedule, but you're only making probably like, you know, $2,000 a game. They just keep you, they keep you tuned up. Your your mother team, the Lakers, have have a G League team that they can go and say, if someone get hurt and on that roster of the Lakers, they can go mm-hmm. down one or two, bring up somebody from that from from the G League. Them G League players got skills. But Same. here's my point. Those G League players, which by the way, goes to show how little I know about sports, because if I heard the word G League, I would be like, oh, they must be the best. <laughs> okay, so the G League is not the best, but it is a point system or a objective form of measurement that is what brings those people up it's not like their essence or their popularity it's like they got to be showing it in numbers that they're of that they're a value enough to be moved up to the pros am i right yeah yeah that's true that's true Sure. And we don't have a, a, a similar points system. We don't have those metrics. It's not like we have that point system. We have a thing called, what have you done? What's your resume? Oh, well, yeah, those points. Oh. <laughs> How popular you are. There are, I've been dancing longer than many, 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 many people in this in this game. Period. Guarantee, guarantee if you're listening to this podcast, Pete's been dancing longer than you. You know, unless you're about, Tony Basil. Yeah, unless you're Tony Basil. But 44 <laughs> years for for me, and but there's there's dancers, choreographers, whether it be the Les Twins, Marty Kadelka, uh, uh, you know, and, and what I'm saying, and you know, and many others. But I look at some a person like this. I look at even as as a point system. I say hey, I'm not that bitter guy who mm-hmm. dance alone to y'all. How the hell are they getting paid more? No, because I look at popularity it's like you're you're the it's like you're the lebron or the so-and-so or the kobe's of the of of the thing not in terms of your measure your measuring of what you have given Mm -hmm. because there is there is people out here it's not about their skills because i've seen a lot of choreographers who who uh who don't have the skill level but they have the resume to back up because as long as you're getting work Anyone else going to value you on that? And they can say, well, he or she may not be better than so-and-so, but they have worked with the best. So we're going to get them and we're going to work with those, those that person. Mm-hmm. Yes, skill level means dance level. You have to have it, but at some point, it doesn't matter. As long as that damn resume is long. That's why everybody, uh, 
tout their resumes. What have you done? What have you done for us lately? So my thing is, I didn't even use my resume for years. Like, you know, I said, man, I'm a dancer. I don't, I'm not crawling off the back of other people. Not saying that other people do it like it's something wrong with it, but I, I never did that. I never showed like, here's, this is what people I've worked with. Now, when people start doing it, they say, we need your resume. We need this, what's your, I'll be like, oh, here. <laughs> oh my God, blah, blah, blah. Now, was it was that a hindrance, a hindrance from, for me? Could have been. But I understand the game. If you got that, that means you in the elite. Nobody's going to, you know what I mean? You got, like, if they hire Marty, Marty going to get his value of what he, who he is and what he done based on his work. And because his, 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 his skill level got him the resume references. Mm-hmm. So it's that point system still. Like I always tell people, there's the outside crowd that's trying to get, you know, looking in over the next show people back. They're trying to get into the, they're trying to get to the inner core. Once you get to mm-hmm. the inter okay. in that core and you become that, then you right, you in the inner and you looking out going like this. You, you, you. And then the people looking at you who hired going to go, we want him. We want her. That's who's going to run this. Well, that guy on the outside is, is just as good as him or maybe even better was his resume. He hasn't done anything. Hmm. I think things are changing now a little bit. Resumes, like the 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 actual representation of job bullets on a piece of paper, seems less relevant now than a following. Uh, a number of a number of followers. Um, but on the subject of resumes and gigs. I'm not interested in hearing yours, but I am curious for someone who's been doing this for so long, I would love to hear about the outstanding ones. Like what what is it that you will remember on your deathbed? I don't know. Is not is it a gig? Is it a battle? Is it like what what stands out? What's that? Oh, I know what you're saying now. Now, what stands out for me is the fact that my brother Boogaloo Sam taught me how to do this dance. Because mm-hmm. without him teaching me how to mm-hmm. dance, then I wouldn't have a resume. I wouldn't have a chance to, to dance and perform or, or to choreograph for some of the top uh, artists out here. For me, if no one looks at it like that, who taught you or gave you that first thing? That's the person that sparked it in you, whether you're watching television or watching. Now you can say, I can, yeah, we can pinpoint gigs or this and that. But the only reason why I got those gigs my most important time in my life and the one and only is when I learned how to pop for my brother Sam because I wanted to be a fireman. So with me, you and I wouldn't even be talking right now, hey, Pete. So how was it when you put out the fire yeah, last night? Right, right. <laughs> so my thing is to right. say most important day of my life over Michael Jackson, over the movies, over anybody is when my brother showed me the dance. Damn. We could end this conversation right there. But while I have you, I have to ask at least a few more questions. One um, is regarding a post that you shared recently on your Instagram. You shared a video of a Las Vegas show called Manhattan from 1997. You were 35, and that show is very important to me. Do you know why? Because I am 35 right now, (laughs) and when I watched that footage... (laughs) 
<laughs> my knees about blew out the back of my legs watching you get down. Um, do you drink magic potion or take Pilates or do you dance every day? Do you hurt? Like, it, explain the physical side of it for me as somebody who's, you know, you're 60 years old and still this is your living, correct? Yes, still trying to make a living at it. So still hustling. That's the crazy thing. But, you know, growing, you know, growing up, especially when I first got into, you know, popping, boogaloo, all the styles. I was very, I was always very limber, very agile, you know, because I was, I was skinny. I was like skinny, skinny. Also on your Instagram, a photo of you at 14 years old, which is one of my favorite things, period. The fit is so fly. Oh my <laughs> God. So, but in terms of, I mean, I have arthritis in both knees right now, only because I'm doing a lot of ground moves. Mm -hmm. early 20s or late teens, early 20s, all the way up to I was 44. So all the, you know, the going up and down and and just, and it's just uh, stretched out my ligaments. And, and then I got, I think I got to the age of 44. And that's when I, I figured some of those, you know, my knees and stuff. And then I had gained a lot of excessive weight. I went from, from always being a thin person and, and I went from like 160, I was 27, when I started drinking like weight gainer, protein stuff. And I went from 165 to 210. Hmm. But I'm still trying to generate the same movements. Now I have more weight hmm. and, it, and it just damaged my, my joints. But doing, as I started getting older and, and seeing that stuff that I couldn't do anymore, I which then in turn, turn I start enhancing the things that I, I can I could do, I should say, I could do. So I started getting more power, using my arms more. My legs standing Yo. up, it's the ground moves that you don't see me. I don't go down low as I used to. And that stopped that when I was in my 40s. Yo, you just reminded me of one of my favorite battles of you. Please forgive me for just geeking out for a second. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure it was, I know who you battled. His name's Iron Mike. And I'm pretty sure the year was 2014, but you take your first round of this battle seated. You roast this guy from a folding chair. And I'm like, I can see it on my eyelids as if I had just watched it this morning. I I'm crying like I'm on the verge of tears. When you when you when you talk about like finding strengths that you can enhance that upper body got so strong Pete. i i and then of course for your second round you do stand up and you full body roast this dude but i those first couple pops in the chair i almost said hits did you see that i corrected myself those first couple pops in the chair i was like blue like i felt like my skeleton blow out the back of my body and i just it's one of my favorite things man that you know and that, and that was a uh, impromptu moment because mm -hmm. you know that was France who was battling and actually it was it was on a point system by rounds mm -hmm. by the time it got to me we had already won by points so I said and I, I, I looked I told the guys before I went I said I'm about to take the chair out and they said huh and I just grabbed the chair and they were looking at me like what is he about to do with this chair even Iron Mike is like my little brother so he was looking at me like what is Pete doing I sat down and said, "Let me take a, I'm gonna take a chill right now," and I just, oh. but I just started doing 
everything on an impulse. And then he then he responded with the chair thing too. And I was like, cool. Yo. That's how I grew, you know, kind of grew up in this in this thing. It's about taking risk. You know, even in the battles of that same of that of that event, I went on the ground and I I battled a person lying on my back, popping on my back, turning, using my legs to turn and just go out. <laughs> Um, for the for the listeners at home, I'm flipping Pop and Pete off right now from, from the safety of my podcast booth because I know you can't can't like roast me. Well, you can roast me right now, but I just there's something about the I didn't grow up around battles, and I certainly did not grow up battling. But there is ooh the the element of showmanship and challenge and mockery and like boldness it's i it's actually hard for me to watch sometimes because i'm like oh i can't believe they just oh they're just how much how must that feel to be called out like that or mocked like that or punked like that like it's actively hard for me to watch sometimes it's so intense and I love it, man. Oh my god! I'm gonna link to this video. This, uh, this, this. What? Do you remember the name of the battle? It was Pop Lock Box. Okay, I'm. I'm gonna find it. I'll link to it in the show notes of this episode. Excellent, educational and entertaining. Yes. Right quick now. The thing that people are seeing now, the battles that people are seeing now are kind of organized. I call it organized confusion battles. When we did it. When I came first came out, we was literally, we would go to people's homes. We would knock on your door. We would catch you at the mall. We would, we would, this is not, see, we had, there were, there were uh, dance contests back then. You go to the club, you sign up, mm -hmm. do what they do one after each other, the audience, you know, judge or whoever they, who they like. Now on the streets, it's different. How they battle now, because they battle in a, in a, in a structure of, you know, it's an event. You put your name on there. Yeah, they do people still call people out in clubs here and there? Yeah. See, we didn't wait till you get in the clubs. We seen we should. There's times that we will be driving in our car. Some other car with a a, a, a car full of uh, guys, and you would think, oh, this is about to be a gang fight or something. And they playing music. You see them there, you know, doing maybe locking or moving. And then we go, we give them the, you dance. We are or at a light. And they said, and they go, y'all want to get out? See, we didn't say battle on the West Coast in 78 to 80 something. We said, you want to go against me? You want to, you don't want to get out? We said, pull it over. So we're, cars are pulling into a gas station parking lot or, or a mall parking lot, open the doors, throw that music on, cassette in, boom, something on, and we out there getting busy. Uh, was there dancing all over the place in that time? Just people dancing on the streets all the time. Yes, because then you could dance. Because even Hollywood Boulevard, where where uh, on um, Hollywood and uh, where the where everybody do the little performance uh, Highland stuff. Hollywood and Highland. That was Hollywood and Highland before they built all that right there. It's just Grom's Chinese Theater was the was an attraction. On every weekend, people would you know we people from far and wide. We living in Long Beach. That's a that's at least. A forty-five minute drive to Hollywood, you know, with traffic is going to be an hour or something. But everybody's coming from every different way on, on the weekends, and it's just that Hollywood Boulevard used to be the cruise uh, 
Mm-hmm. All the street battles started happening on, on the Hollywood and, 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 and Highland, right there on that corner where people perform now with all these little things, mm-hmm. circles and circles of dancers going at it. Calling, saying, meet me on, man, you, you know, you call somebody up because with no, again, no, no internet. Tell me, meet, meet me on, on this Saturday at Hollywood and Highland. Meet me on Hollywood Boulevard. That's what we said. We named it. We said, so everybody knew we'd go to Highland. High schools, we go to your high school and call you out on lunch. We'll go to your high school dance, to your proms, to your football games. Oh, the conflict. They don't do that now because they, they, you know, it's not a thing now for for the for kids. Now it's organized. No, we live in our phones now. We live on our phone. <laughs> and, and, and the battles were not nice. People were, you were getting touched. If There's a thing where if you, you, you battle for, if someone had a, had a, had they colors on, which is their jacket of they of they group or whatever. So I battle you, I battle you for your jacket. If you lose, you got to give up the jacket. Your identity, your actual like your flag that they Ooh. take. Or even if you have a hat on, people used to try to you popping or whatever. You try to take the hat off their heads, throw it on the ground, and stomp it. That's a sign of you got you got turned out. Nobody's got. It, it did some things happen, yes, but for the most part, nobody got mad because everybody knew. The game, we went mano y mano, and there was everybody at the same, you're going at the same time. Those battles is the most intense. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You guys see the, which one-on-one, you got to wait. We did it like boxers. It's just like, if you go to a boxer match, and then the one guy come out of the corner, and right. doesn't do anything, the other, no, it's. Everybody's jabbing all the time. How we battled. This is so much more exciting than movies. I just hearing you explain this in my head is, it's. I feel like I'm at a movie. This is awesome. This is why a a, a I'm out on a movie like I wrote 2008. It's called Skills. Mm-hmm. It's rated R. I've got I've done rewrites on it. I'm trying to get. I wrote wrote into and it's about that life. It's about mm-hmm. you know it it goes from that street, but it goes to a to an organized battle, but this organized battle only comes every 10 years and no one knows where it is until you get a get till you get that call or a text to tell you where it's going to be. So all this time you got to be ready. But during, before you get there, there's all of these, these organ, these, I mean, these uncontrollable battles, people coming to knocking on your doors, acting nice. Hey, hey, they did that to us. Surprise battle. And, and asked our mother, yeah, we here to battle your son. Oh, she said, for real? Oh, she said, okay. Well, they're, because we were rehearsing in our garage. She said, oh, they're in the garage. And she told the two guys, and good luck, and shut the door in their face. And they went on, they came, they came into the garage and got murdered up in there by all of us. Uh, who, what fool would show up to your house? Of course, I'm saying this with your 44 year of, uh, 44 years of incredibleness burned on my eyeballs, but wow it was like i'm gonna challenge i'm gonna put my skills against your skills i'm gonna challenge whether you was popping whether you was a lo- i battle lockers i battle people doing different dances mm. than just my mm, own I- that's another thing that the the competition world today does not do it's all very compartmentalized my whole thing is i mean i've gotten my very first battle i know we're going a little long but my very first battle was someone came my friend I would. I just kind of learned. I got, I got my popping down. Now popping and Lone Beach start. The the dance started getting out. Not everybody could do it because it, it wasn't. You know, my, Sam wasn't teaching everybody. Everybody was learning as they see. Just watching it. Yes. So some of my friend came, knocked on my door, and said, "Hey Pete, 
this guy want to battle you. Who? This guy, he lives, uh, I said, where you live at? He, uh, he told me street, which is like four blocks away. I don't, I'm six, I don't have a car. I ran four blocks. Strides. Got to the house, got, I said, he showed me, he said, there, it was, a, a, a kid was probably about 15, about my age, 15, 16, his little sister and his mother in the front yard. And I came up, I said, who wanna, who wanna dance against me? And she said, my son. And I said, okay, I'm gonna beat you in five moves. You you can go, if you wanna go first, you go first. He went, you know, again, nobody, everybody was just learning. So I started doing so, okay, Sam told me to do this. So I started, kick, kick, kick. Did all, I said, one, two, down, up, huh? And I did an old man move, okay, five. Then he looked and I said, did I win? He said, yeah. And I said, okay, and I ran back. And home. you ran home? No, I don't need to talk no more. I just, uh. I got, I got on my wheels and I ran home. Mm -hmm. Those are, this is how I grew up. I would battle kids. I'm 16. So if you was 12, girl, you call me out. It's just, all I see is dance. I don't see, I know you're a female. I know you're a male. You know different if you're going to battle a male, he's 14 and I'm a female is 12. Mm -hmm. I'm about to give you something. Okay, this I want to talk about, this dance is dance, and then I'm going to have to cut myself off, even though I could really, oh gosh, okay. Um, I know that you trained in a little bit of ballet way back in the beginning. This is before Tony Basil fused street dance and ballet with her Swan Lake, which was Emmy nominated, which you were in, which is fabulous, which will also be in the show notes. Please watch that. Um, but what do you think about cross training and what do you think about specifically funk styles and how they're evolving? Because I get this philosophy that like dance is dance. I don't see a genre. I don't see a sex. I don't see whatever you want to dance against me. I'll dance against you. But I also have heard definitely strongly the emphasis that like popping should stay popping. Locking should say locking. This isn't that. This can't be that. If you do that, then you can't do that. Like, what would you say to cross-training and the evolution of funk styles? I mean, you know, I think everyone should. When I came up, I, I was trying to whack. I tried to, of course, I was trying to lock. And then when Tony said, I'm, I'm going to show you guys some ballet, she said, it. I'm going to show you guys ballet for to help you guys in your balance. Mm -hmm. Be on the bar doing the, the the toe, you know, touching the the. the uh, I love toe touch, y'all. I just need you to know that Pop and Pete just with his arm demonstrated a tondu, or a degage, a degage. Okay, good. Yep. <laughs> it's like you know, sitting there with hold. You know, we we've you know from where we from holding that bar, and and she got, you know, I remember she did say degage, whatever the word. She was like, we going. Well, I remember we kept saying "negage," and she was kept getting mad. Kept "negage," but it 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 helped. This is why, and this is because of Tony Basil and and others, Tony Shabadu and many other people that that were my mentors coming up. I look at, I study dance. I don't study one genre. I study dance. I've I've taken stuff from ballet. I've taken stuff from from salsa. And, and a flamenco dance that I see a little bit and I put it into my pop and I take that little movement, but I I, I blend it in because yeah. it's a movement. Now I'm not trying to do the the actual, you know, uh, correct 
foundation, but I saw a little how even when my friend Yoda does the bar, not then how she hold her hands or how all this stuff. I use all I takes. It may not be correct, but I be doing because it's an inspiration. So, so my thing about cross is it needs to be done and should and learn as learn as. If you only want to learn one style, bravo. One, learn two, bravo. 10, 15, do them all. The, 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 the question about people dancing just only with the genre they dance with, it's only because they, they, we got indoctrinated into this thing of system of the event style, how they organize it. Poppers against poppers. La, 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 la. Nah. I'm a, I'm first of all, I'm a dancer. See, Dancer had when you use that word, you say say we well, say ask somebody what are you? what are you? So I ask somebody, what's your profession? I'm a lawyer. I'm a doctor. So when you say I'm a dancer, you can say I'm a lawyer like this. I'm a lawyer. What type of lawyer? Oh, I'm a corporate lawyer. I'm a I'm a you know I'm a I'm a so and so lawyer. You still got to know under that title what what you are. I'm a dancer. What style of dance do you do? Pop. Lock, la la la, ballet, la la la. I'm gonna rattle it. But people get caught up in that. I'm a popper. Oh, I'm a locker. Well, I want to battle. No, we can't battle because it's two different dances. It doesn't make sense to us. <laughs> we going. Are you a dancer? Yeah. How 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 sure are you are you of your skills? I'm very sure. So am I in my skills. So let's do this. Yo, my friend, I'm just ear to ear grinning listening to you talk right now. I really could do this all day long. I want to thank you so much for your time. I want to thank you for being my teacher, for teaching me well. I, I do want to say that I, in addition to being a phenomenal dancer, one of my favorites in the world, you are an excellent choreographer who does more than makeup moves. When Marty brought you in to work with JT, you taught us. You didn't just spit out some eight counts and say, good luck. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, because of that, I have a love for this American street style. I have a tremendous respect for it. I know not to drop my heels. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm so grateful for you for your time. Thank you so, so much for being here today. You know what? Going back, I mean, the first time I met you, to make it short, and I met you at one of at one of Marty classes. And I remember this is the first time I met Yoda. I mean, I met her in Japan, but the first time I seen her dance. She was in a class, you I think Ava, a bunch of people. Yeah. I'm just kind of like looking. And I remember looking at you. You know, my first time seeing seeing Marty live. And I seen mm -hmm. you move. I was going, hey, uh, she got some black in there or something? <laughs> like, you know, because I'm, my, my whole thing is because it's not like, it's not like white people can't dance. It's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, there's a, there's a certain groove that I know that is inherently that I grew up on that I can see when I see it in people. And I go, and I saw you dance. And I remember you just, you just this wide-eyed, bushy-tailed. This bright little, yeah, brighter than I am now because I was probably 19. Yes. Uh-huh. But how you move and 
how you how you interpret because I you know I was I, at this point I was I saw Marty I was a fan of Marty's when I found out he had did the early the JT stuff I didn't on the the, the the one video I didn't I'm like ooh damn and I found out mm-hmm. I was like I'm a fan and when I seen how he moved and how you guys mimicked and were and became what he put out I was like. And this was my first time, like around the the choreography, the choreography scene really burst. Mm-hmm. I was blown away, and you stood out. You and Ava, uh, and again, I just uh, first and had, Yoda. Oh my God, I miss dancing with her so much, Yoda. I love you so much. But uh, and, and it was other dancers that were that that I know now that were in the class that were young that became like, oh, I remember you in the class. So I want to say to you, like, you know, working with you. On all occasions that I had the opportunity to work with you, one thing I do and I love about you, not only that you know, you will remember the the choreography I do and then teach it oh. others correctly. And I when 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 I you know when I did the the uh, man in the woods, when I did the, the part well, JT, the popping part, and then you learned it. And was showing others and correcting others. Oh no, no, you gotta, it's gotta be here and that, here like that. And I was sitting back going, "Damn, she's right." Was I right? I better be right. No, you was right. No, no, that's what I mean. That's what I said. That's what I, because of how you came into this game and how and the people that mentored you and and just your your own enthusiasm and your own passion for it. You always want to make it right because you are very you're very hard on yourself. Because I know we had these conversations, mm-hmm. especially in the street dance style. You're going, I got to get it right, and I got to learn mm-hmm. from the people who do it right. So I want to thank you. You know, I love you and all that. And I know we got to go. So actually, I got to go shoot this video. Appreciate you so much. Let's do this again someday. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right, my friend. That's it. That's Pete. What do you think? I love this conversation. I love all the juicy context that Pete gives. And I love peeking into the world of dance that existed before I was born. It's crazy to me um, that he's been at this longer than I've been alive. And I think that's awesome and inspiring. Um, I hope you feel inspired to value your body, your talent, your passion, and your position. Um, I, I, I think that this conversation is an example of how much has changed and how little has changed at the same time. Um, and that that's okay. Like both of those things can be true. I think that as long as we have bodies and music and people, then people will always be dancing. And as long as we have each other, it's likely that we'll probably always be sharing our dances. And that may be in the form of a TikTok or of a battle or a house party or a garage jam or the Super Bowl halftime show. Um, Dance isn't going anywhere. And as long as Pop and Pete is around, dance is going to be really, really funky. (laughs) Thank you all for listening. Pete, thanks again for being here, for talking. Uh, Now go, everyone. Go Watch Breakin', watch all the Pop and Pete battles and judges demos and Instagram videos you can get your hands on, uh, many of which will be linked here in the show notes of this episode. And um, of course, go out there and keep it exceptionally funky. 
I'll talk to you soon. Bye. This podcast was produced by me with the help of many. Music by Max Winnie, logo and brand design by Bree Reitz, and a big thanks to Riley Higgins, our executive assistant and editor. And also a massive thanks to you, the mover, who is no stranger to taking action. I will not stand in the way of you taking action. I will not, cannot stop you from downloading episodes or leaving a review and a rating. I cannot keep you from visiting thedanawilson.com to join our mailing list. I will not ban you from my online store for spending your hard-earned money on the cool merch and awesome programs that await you there. And of course, if you want to talk with me, work with me, and make moves with the rest of the Words That Move Me community, I will 100% not stop you. Visit thedanawilson.com to become a member and get a peek at everything else I do that is not a weekly podcast. Keep it funky, everyone. 